This is Growth Decoded to Go, a podcast from a show that helps you grow your business by figuring out the customer experience, one piece at a time. We do this to share our findings with you, wherever you are. Because this podcast is only the audio portion of the show, there might be some references to visuals. But don't fret, because we've included links to the video version of the show in the podcast description. All right, let's get into it. Ahoy there, Internet, and welcome back to Growth Decoded, the only Internet show out there about the customer experience with a plant for a co-host. I'm your host, Ernie Santarelli, joined as always by my left-hand plant, the leafy green growth machine, Plantasia. Oh, what's this? A letter? A newsletter. Now, this might not look like much, but a newsletter has incredible potential value. It has a staggeringly high ROI for the amount of time and effort it takes to create and distribute. A newsletter can be the foundation of your business. It can be the launch pad for future endeavors, the most direct line of communication to your audience, and the engine that moves your work forward. An email newsletter is an email that is sent to your subscribers regularly to keep them informed about the latest news and updates from your product or from your brand. Depending on the kind of content that you have to share and the frequency in which your subscribers expect your newsletters, you could send them on a weekly basis or a monthly basis. A newsletter is a foundational concept in the world of email marketing, and when you do it well, it can revolutionize your business. A good newsletter informs, engages, promotes, and inspires. It reaches right out, and it talks directly to your audience. It's a way for you to build trust and build credibility with your audience, to earn their business, and to create a buzz that leads to more subscribers and more people who want to hear what you have to say. The newsletter is a perfect starting point. It creates consistency. It helps to set and manage expectations. And it's easy to create and distribute with tools like ActiveCampaign. It can be just for fun, or it can be the engine that powers your business and grows your revenue. For today's guest, it's all of those things. He's Jay Klaus, the creator of the Creative Companion Club and host of the Creative Companion Podcast. And it all started with Jay's newsletter. Jay and I talked about a lot, and our conversation breaks into two main parts. Part one is Jay's story, how he ideated, created, launched, and grew his newsletter. And in part two, we get into the tiny details that set it apart, the things that help it grow even more. We talk about how Jay has used it to build community, to launch products, and how he thinks about the newsletter. We get into best practices, common mistakes, and some really great tips and tricks to help you turn your email newsletter into a more cohesive, positive experience. Let's get into it. And I'm joined by this man here on the screen with me with a Santarelli's barbershop shirt on that is literally blowing my mind. But this is Mr. Jay Klaus. Jay is the founder of Creative Companion Club, which is a community and a hub for current and aspiring professional creators. He is the mastermind behind the Creative Companion newsletter, which I am very excited to talk to you about. And uh, he's also the host of the Creative Elements podcast, where he talks to some of the world's best creators about the elements that make them thrive. Jay, welcome to Growth Decoded. Thank you so much for being here. Ernie, happy to be here. Excited to chat with another Santarelli, despite the spelling differences. But yeah, always love to chat e about email. Hey, it's uh, it's close enough. It's four syllables. They're all the same. As far as I'm concerned, that's that's a miracle. I don't know if I've ever, I've never seen a shirt with my last name on it, even if it is <laughs> a little bit wrong. Uh, but hey, let's kick this thing off here. Uh, can, you, can you tell me a little bit more about Creative Companion? Yeah, absolutely. So with Creative, Creative Companion, I really want to help people become professional creators not just you know starting to publish and put things out in the world, but literally earn a living from the things that they make, make it their profession. So uh, I do that with the Creative Companion newsletter, the podcast you mentioned, Creative Elements, 
and now the membership, the Creative Companion Club, because all of these things are ways I can serve people over a long period of time. You know, it's tough to become a professional creator. I can't do it in a pre-recorded course. I can't do it in a single cohort-based course. I have to be able to help you and serve you and communicate with you for a period of years, actually, not even just months. So that's why I've landed on email, podcasting, and a membership. Awesome. Um, yes, definitely the the long-term point there is super important. But from what I understand, this all started for you as as an email newsletter. Is that is that right? Yes. Yep. And back how, in 2017. Okay. So how to walk me through that? Like how did you how did you get started with the newsletter? Well, back in 2017, I was still working at a startup and I was pretty not happy. <laughs> uh, I was in product management, which I like, I like product actually, but I didn't love uh, the company, the industry, the vision, my role, my boss, you know, typical don't love my job type of stuff. But yeah. I had this, this narrative in my mind that I was not a creative person and that I was a really good operator. I was a really great uh, executor, but I didn't have good ideas and I wasn't a creative person myself. Mm. I actually worked with a coach who helped me understand that narrative that was playing in my mind, which I didn't, you know, necessarily notice consciously for a long time, but that was definitely underlying a lot of the decisions that I was making and the decisions I was choosing not to make. So to help get over that story, I was telling myself, I needed to build the creative muscle. And I thought that getting myself to write and literally publish a newsletter every day for a year would build that muscle. And that's how it started. Every, every day for a year? Every day for a year, Saturdays and Sundays included. Wow. All right. That's no small feat. Um, that's awesome. And with that level of consistency, um, I mean, I've talked to quite a few people now and consistency is certainly one of the, the key elements when we talk about, you know, audience building and kind of building a following, building a buzz. But when you started the newsletter, like where did the initial audience come from? Where were you putting this out? Who was reading it? Who was, who are you getting it in front of? I mean, almost nobody. Uh, I'm sure it was like my, my friends on Facebook. I actually remember it was my girlfriend at the time was my first subscriber. And then I had some of my close friends. I was, uh, I ran a, uh, student club when I was in college and then I was organizing startup weekend here locally. So I had built a pretty good network, especially locally here in Columbus, Ohio. And so I was able to go to, you know, my, my Facebook, my LinkedIn, whatever I had on Twitter at the time and say, Hey, I'm writing this, you know, follow along, but it was mostly friends, family, people that didn't necessarily care about anything other than supporting me. And I also wasn't talking about helping people become professional creators then either. It was just like, Hey, I'm writing a newsletter. Mm. And I didn't have like a whole lot of expectations set up front of what that thing will be. So it's really evolved a lot over the years. Okay, that's awesome. Um, you mentioned your your social media networks um, and and the immediate vicinity of, of where you lived. So is that is that primarily how you built the audience in the early days? Is through social and through kind of word of mouth? Oh yeah, one hundred percent. I think it's like the only way that I built uh, in the early days. I did start to cross post to like WordPress, and I had enough wherewithal to embed some sort of form there. At the time I was on MailChimp. Uh, so I was using like this MailChimp for WordPress plugin. I'd gone through Paul Jarvis's Chimp Essentials course. And I, I thought I was like, I got it all worked out. I know exactly what I'm doing. And yeah, people would share the articles on their own social media, which I appreciated. And then that would have a link to subscribe, but it was slow. You know, it was 
one person a week, two people a week for a long time. There wasn't really any thought in how to grow it or what it would mean if I did grow it because I wasn't selling anything at the time. I was beginning to offer services. But, you know, a content marketing strategy can work for service providers, but it's not the most efficient pathway to getting clients. Right. So one thing that I kind of have seen or heard from a lot of people that are sort of in this initial startup phase, like launching, kind of trying to, to get a following, they're starting to put stuff out, they're seeing how it goes. Were you publishing and, and letting everyone know on your social networks every time you posted a newsletter? Because from my understanding, you know, people will say that they don't want to annoy their audience. Um, they feel like, you know, especially in the early days when it's kind of a small following, like, how do you get over that? How do you combat that? I'm trying to remember, I think I did for a while, but writing every day, it, it started to feel like I was punishing people for sure. <laughs> uh, so I don't think I was sharing most of them. I think I would share the ones that I felt the best about because publishing every day that first year, like there was just a lot of garbage there. Mm. And I was making an effort to write, um, you know, specific original content at the time. Like right. even if it was a few paragraphs about something I experienced or some story that I wanted to tell, it was original content, but most of it was not useful or helpful or had any SEO value on the website that is being posted to. So I think I published or I think I shared, you know, one a week, maybe two per week in the beginning. Mm, okay. So that, that makes a lot of sense. Like the ones that you're really excited about, the ones that, you know, felt especially good or for whatever reason spoke to you in a way. Um, I, I like that. Now, as you mentioned, you know, it's been five years since you, you started this thing and things have certainly changed and developed a lot for you. I know, um, now the, the newsletter goes out weekly as opposed to daily, but apart from the cadence, like at what point did the newsletter kind of start to take on its own life? Like at what, at what point did you kind of start changing the design elements or changing what went into it or, or kind of, I guess, as your voice emerged, like when, when did that start to happen? Probably a couple of years ago, I started to take email as a more serious part of my overall business. Mm -hmm. From the beginning, I left, I ended up leaving that job that I was at in January of 2017. I left it in April of 2017. And then I started freelancing and facilitating mastermind groups. And a lot of the people that came to those groups came from my email list. So I started to think, okay, I do think that there's value in growing this because if I keep offering this, this service, this mastermind service, I'm going to want more people on that list. And if I get into digital products, I'm going to want more people on that list. Cause I was, I was learning from other creators as well. So I began to take it more seriously, probably, you know, late 2017, definitely into 2018, but things got really, they got a lot more serious in 2020. That was when I moved off of MailChimp and when I got a lot more serious about tracking my metrics and, and thinking about a strategy and realizing that I should be more specific in what I'm doing and what I'm offering to people. So I know when I switched off of MailChimp in 2020, August 2020, I had about 1,800 subscribers. Today, I'm at about 11,000. Uh, so the growth has been pretty good over the last couple of years. And I expect that to continue. But yeah, it was really in... 2020 that I started to take things a lot more seriously. I, I, that reminds me of a, I think it's a Hemingway quote where he says, you know, it, it happened at first gradually and then suddenly um, kind of sounds like a, I just, I just love this story, like the perseverance and, you know, it is sort of that, that slow uptick. And then, you know, you, you make those realizations, you make those changes and it really starts to, to snowball for you. You mentioned 
there that that was when you realized that you needed to or you could take it a lot more seriously and start paying more attention to the metrics what what kind of brought that realization on was there any moment in time or anything in particular that you remember being like oh uh, there's there's something here and i could probably you know do more in these areas i think it was just having a lot more conversations with other creators that i respected and just seeing like time and time again them talking about how important email was to their business and how it was the engine of their business and also by 2020, I had begun to develop digital products. So it made a lot more sense to start building out an actual uh, ecosystem and funnel, if you want to call it that. Um, so, you know, I started looking at my uh, forms and disclosure, I'm a ConvertKit customer uh, because at the time when I, I just knew I was tired of MailChimp and uh, people said, check this out. And so that's what I did. But I, I could look at my forms a lot more seriously to see conversion rates there because my MailChimp statistics were just a mess, just impossible to deal with. And so I could see, you know, which forms are performing well and make changes to the ones that weren't. And I could segment a lot easier and just communicate more intelligently with people. Mm. And also I was starting to build credibility. I'd been three plus years into my own journey. People have seen like, oh, not only did Jay say he was going to do this, but he's still doing it three years later, later, which is no small feat. A lot of people give up within the first three years. Right. So, you know, things start to compound and, and work together. But I really think the impetus was just listening to a lot of people that I respected. I was beginning to do the, the podcast creative elements where I'm literally talking to professional creators about what they're doing. And the, the data points just started to look consistent and kind of align. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, with those digital products that you kind of started to incorporate into, um, you know, what you were doing along with the podcast, were those, were, did you use the newsletter as sort of the launch pad for, for those? I did, but unsuccessfully in the beginning, Okay. <laughs> because, because I actually just wrote about this, uh, this past weekend, my first product launch, I had developed three courses that were specifically for freelancers. And they were really good. I, I am a LinkedIn learning instructor. So I've developed a lot of courses in partnership with LinkedIn learning. And I did a set of courses or I did a course of LinkedIn on freelancing. And I thought, I want to go a lot deeper on this and make my own version of it to sell myself. I didn't tell anyone that it was coming. It was just like out of the blue. Here comes Jay with this templated email series. It doesn't sound like Jay doing a product launch because this is the, the templates that he found. And it just didn't go very well because because I had meandered a lot through those first three years, only a small segment of my audience were freelancers anyway. And I hadn't really segmented up to that point. So it was the launching pad, but that first product launch was not successful whatsoever. But it was a learning experience, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 100%. Uh, I've changed my process for launching things uh, completely since then, those courses still exist. And now they've done around $32,000 in sales, which is great. Awesome. I haven't done another quote unquote launch. It's just been all email automation since then. Right. Having the insight into who should know about this and when should they know about this and then being able to deliver that at the right time. Awesome. Um, so okay, you send your newsletter on Sundays, which when I learned that I thought it was, it was interesting. Um, how did you land on that day? It's a good question because I was sending every day, right? And right. so at one point, after the first year, I realized sending every day is kind of a punishment to people who even want to support me. Like, it's just a lot. I'm going to go down to once per week. I'm going to make this just better. And I think I picked Sunday just because I've always kind of believed 
to go against the grain of like best practices. Mm. And I even just personally, I don't send any emails on Monday. I think everybody hates their inbox on Monday. And if you're sending something on Monday, good luck. You're amongst a bunch of stuff and people are just trying to clear it out as quickly as possible. So I like Sunday because my audience, they're business owners or at least aspiring business owners or like part-time business owners. I don't think they have a lot of chill. I think they're still looking at their inbox on Sundays and the competition's really low. Right. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's editorial in nature. It's original content. It's storytelling. I think people have more space to sit and relax and read a story or a piece when they're not, you know, in between meetings and you can't really control what's going on in their professional day that day. Now, a lot of people still do end up reading on Monday because they aren't reading on Sunday, but that's okay because it's not like there was a ton of other stuff in your inbox on Sunday. So it's probably still visible when you get to your desk on Monday. Mm, I like this. So it's always just been, it was either daily or then it was Sunday and you've kind of stuck to that. Yeah. I don't think I really played around with it much at all because it goes at the same time too. I send it at 7 a.m. Eastern on Sunday, which also could be early. Maybe I should send it later in the morning, but it's just always been 7 a.m. on Sunday. And I don't know, it suits me. Well, yeah, I mean, at a certain point, it's that that consistency point where it becomes an expectation too, right? You know, people who have been on your list, they know that when they wake up on Sunday, if they're, you know, in central time like me or further west or, you know, wherever they are, they get this email from you at that time every day. And that's that becomes part of the brand. Uh, that's that's awesome. So when you when you switched from daily to weekly, it seems like there's probably, you know, a surplus of content that you might have for those initial weekly newsletters. Um, unless, I mean, can you take me through that? Where, did you have to kind of pare down stuff that you've been writing all week? What did that switch look like for you? To be honest, even when it was daily, I was writing it that day. And okay. I didn't have like a consistent time really that day. Uh, I rarely got that far ahead, maybe like two days ahead. But no, when it switched to weekly, it was kind of like, well, I just don't have to write every single day now. I can kind of put more thought into what I want to write that week and I can get ahead of it easier. But there wasn't a whole lot of surplus. I just took that that extra time and put it towards a different aspect of my business, which was mostly developing, you know, the rest of the ecosystem, whether that was the website for the mastermind program or uh, spending time marketing that program or starting to build digital products or tinkering away and pixel pushing my own personal website. You know, I'm always just doing these tiny little improvements on different parts of my overall creative platform. And I think it just put a lot more of my formerly writing time towards that. Mm, I love that. Jay's newsletter started slow. As he said, it was just his girlfriend, his family, and his friends as his readers at first. He was using social media and word of mouth to grow it, but again, it was slow. One to two new people a week. But he kept writing, and he kept sending his newsletter, and through his consistency and his effort, he found his voice, grew his audience, and grew his business into digital products, courses, podcasts, communities, and more. Consistency is key, and that's been a recent theme for the show. With consistency comes credibility, comes improvement, and slowly but surely, it builds something meaningful. Jay mentioned that he changed the cadence of his newsletter from daily to weekly, and he sends it on Sunday morning. As he said, his audience is likely still in their inboxes on Sunday, and the competition is low. And this brings up an important point about knowing your audience and about personalization. The time of day and the day of the week that you send your emails is important. 
There's competition for attention, and that's especially true in the email inbox. Now, Jay sends on Sunday mornings because that's a time of the week where there isn't as much competition. So the amount of attention that his emails gets is likely greater than if he sent the newsletter, say, Thursday at noon. Another piece of this is the type of attention that his audience can give to those emails. With less competition, there's more focus. There's less distraction from other unread emails surrounding the newsletter. And it's more likely that the audience isn't in a flustered or a rushed mental state when they only see you know, one to two unread emails in the inbox. But none of this matters if you don't know your audience. Jay knows that his audience is made up of creatives who are owning or building their own businesses. He said himself that they don't really have a lot of chill, so they're fine with getting the emails on Sunday morning. They don't mind. If your audience is working moms, you might be better off sending an email later in the evening on a weeknight, after the kids have gone to bed and after work. If your audience is made up of football fanatics, you probably don't want to send any emails on Saturday or Sunday. When you know your audience, you'll know when to send and when not to send. And if you're thoughtful about when you send your emails, even that can become a point of personalization and add to the customer experience. One final point before we get back to Jay. Consistency doesn't just mean consistency in putting out content, but when you put out the content. Jay sent his newsletter every day, and then every week. Consistency. That creates expectation. Continuing to meet and exceed your customer's expectations is critical to creating a good customer experience and growing your business. Jay's audience expects an email from him on Sunday mornings. And you know what? They get one. Every time. Let's go back to Jay for segment two. So when you started building the newsletter, had you had any experience kind of building emails or any sort of experience like actually, you know, coming up with this? How did you how did you learn that? No, I mean, I, I learned it by doing. And I, I do give some credit to Paul Jarvis's Chimp Essentials class. It taught me some things, but I was looking at other models of success. Like I was, I was reading Seth Godin's emails at the time. I was reading Paul Jarvis's Sunday dispatches, which may even have some impact on why I sent it on Sundays. I think it was a Sunday dispatch is what his email was called before he kind of went dark. Um, I was reading some stuff by Matthew Kimberly. And I was just kind of, you know, stealing like an artist. I was seeing what I liked from those newsletters that I was reading and kind of playing into it. I've, I've played with the actual design and format of the emails a lot over the years. Mm -hmm. That's always fun to me too, because I want it to look really clean, but I also want it to look a little bit different than anything else that you're seeing. The people that I appeal to, creators, a lot of them have like very strong design sensibilities, at least a good eye, if not like they are designers. So the design of my creative platform has become more and more essential over the years to be taken seriously by the people that I'm trying to reach. And that's challenging because I'm not a designer. So I've like really had to fight against my own lack of skills. I've had to play with tools. I've had to hire help. And it's taken me a lot of time to kind of learn how to do some of these things. But it's mostly just been looking at other models that I admire and then trying to emulate that in some way. Mm. I like that a lot. Um, and, and speaking of stealing like an artist, um, I wanted to talk to you about your thank you confirmation email and then the page that it sends you to when you do confirm your email address, because I, I think it's brilliant. Um, and I, I told you, I think in the email that I, I was maybe going to steal that on, on the, the thank you page for this show. Um, can you kind of walk us through what, what's on the page currently? Yeah, currently when you subscribe, you'll land on a page that has a video from me. 
And I'm trying to do more and more of this. If you're watching the video of this interview, you'll see that this looks like a pretty professional video studio at this point, which is, again, something I've put a lot of effort into just in this past month. But I'm realizing that, you know, this world of being a creator, you're building relationships at scale, which is hard to do. The fastest way you can build a relationship with somebody is to meet one-on-one -on -one in real life for coffee or lunch or dinner or a beer or something. Can't do that at scale with people on the internet. But what can you emulate? I think a lot of it is seeing you move within space, hearing your voice, hearing your inflection, uh, seeing you know your, your facial cues that you're doing. So I'm trying to embed a lot more video aspects into my entire creative platform. So when you subscribe, you land on a page that has a video from me. And it says, hey, here's what this is. Here's what you can expect. By the way, if you like, you know, if you're interested in this email, you'd probably also like my podcast, Creative Elements. Podcasts are notoriously hard to grow and expand because there's no inherent discovery mechanism. Right. So I think of the newsletter as my discovery mechanism for the show. And I want to, you know, have that message say, this is Jay. This is what you can expect. Here's the podcast. Uh, by the way, reply anytime. It's kind of the, the long and short of it. Yeah, I, I love the idea of using the newsletter sort of as, as an extension because so often you subscribe to a newsletter, you get that email, click here to confirm, you go to a little, okay, you're confirmed, you can close this window now. But if you think about it, everybody who subscribes to your newsletter is going to hit that page. So why wouldn't you make the most of that? Um, and, and I think that that's just a, it's kind of like a, it's so simple. Like when I saw that, and I have, I've seen, you know, people use that page to various extents before, but the way that you did it with the video, I just thought was so brilliant. Um, so kudos to you. That's, that's awesome. And I'm sure that it's led a lot of people to your podcast that otherwise may not have found it. I hope so. It's hard to tell for sure. I was actually just part of a, uh, kind of like a teardown episode of the Sam cart YouTube channel. Okay. And one of their big points, uh, and kind of criticism of that entire process is that on that landing page, it's very hard for somebody to find what to buy from me. And I go where they're coming from because it's a, it's a cart software and it's all about like helping people sell more and earn more. It's not really my vibe. I'm very much like a relationship building person, but the point of this is valuable real estate, I think is just very, very valid. Like this is very valid. This is valuable real estate. Someone has just made an action that makes them qualified as someone who wants to hear from you, this is an opportunity to get them to take some action or some next step. And I'm really serious about the podcast. So that's what I'm using that real estate for first and foremost. And then over a period of days, weeks, months of hearing from me, now you may be interested in purchasing a product or an experience from me because I've built even deeper trust with you. Right. And and I, mean, I, think, I think it plays really nicely into your you're you run the community and that's such a welcoming like welcome to the page here's what to expect this kind of like it's almost like a hug like hey come on in here thanks for signing up and it is very welcoming as far as just the community vibe so i think it just leads very nicely into everything that you're doing uh when did when did you implement that the the video on the page you said it, you you've done a lot more recently with video but when when did that go up i think i put the first video in general up on that page about 14 to 16 months ago. Because I remember what the video looked like and I know it was my apartment before we bought this house. So I'm thinking it's about 14 to 16 months ago. And yeah, I just, I really, really believe that you need to have these personal touches that let people 
feel you as more human than most people on the internet and also stand out a little bit. I think, I think this game of uh, earning attention requires that you're constantly innovating and doing things a little bit different that stand out, that are remarkable, that make people stop and say, oh, this is different. This yeah. feels different. I like this. This feels more like what I'm looking for and I haven't gotten this before. Then of course, as you do that well and that spreads, other people start to adopt that and you have to start the cycle all over again of doing something a little bit different. So we'll probably end up seeing, you know, a lot of people doing this video thing. Uh, we'll find out, but yeah, I'd say about a year and a half ago. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. And I think that like, to that point about seeing a lot more people do the video thing, just in the last couple of years, because of the situation that we're in with, you know, so much more of an emphasis placed on video, placed on virtual events, placed on conversations that happen like this. I think people just started to look at video differently and see a whole bunch of different uses for it. Um, so yeah, that, that makes a ton of sense. Um, with the thank you page though, before the video, like, did you always have a thank you page that kind of had a message like that? Or um, what, when did that kind of go up? Or when did that, you know, the light bulb go off for you that was like, hey, I could probably do something more with this? I think so. I think I've always had a thank you page. And I always... I've always been kind of weird about it. It's never like jklaus.com slash success or slash confirmed. It's always something really weird. Uh, I have, it's, it's funny when, when you join the creative companion club, the membership, the thank you page is creative companion.club slash you are awesome. <laughs> you know, I think it's just like another small touch one. It makes it hard for people to just like guess that page and look at it and, and cause automation and robot trouble. Mm. Um, well, it's just another point of effort and intention that people see and it stands out. And as someone who serves other creators, I think everything I do is going to serve as inspiration into their soup of, you know, creative considerations in some way or another. So I'm always pushing myself to do things just a little bit differently. But I think there's always been a thank you page, at least for the past several years. I, I love that point about the URL, because it's like, we hear so much about personalization, right? I mean, active campaign, we talk about personalization all the time. It's more than just saying, you know, the first name in somebody's in the, in the, e in the email or in the subject line, but like even the URL can be something that's like an Easter egg. It's kind of fun. When you discover it, you're like, Oh, Jay was here and Jay put thought into this. It's not just slash convert slash success slash confirmation, like a cookie cutter stock kind of thing. So I think that's a really important point that it's like, you can really personalize even down to the URL, which is, something that I had never thought about, but that, that, that's awesome. Yeah. I really like rewarding people who are paying close attention because yeah. that the fact that they're paying close attention is a testament to how much they care about you and are supporting you. I think I got this from Seth Godin also, because when he was running the marketing seminar, which I think is his best product by far, when he was running the marketing seminar, I was like in the first cohort, I think. And in the second or third cohort, he had a page where you could uh, re-enroll as a student. And there was a purple circle in the footer and in the email to alumni, it said, and by the way, if you want, you know, uh, to enroll again, click the purple circle. That's like all the email said. So you had to like find that. And when you found that it applied an extra special, uh, coupon or discount to your checkout. And it's just like that type of thing builds trust in people's minds to, to pay close attention and to look for things. So right. over time, you get higher levels of engagement and trust and enjoyment from people because there's something beyond. They're always looking like, what is the message beyond this? You know, what is the Easter egg? How can I find that? And what is a reward for doing that? Is that reward worth it? And if the reward is worth it, it just reinforces the behavior. So I'm always trying to, you know, 
drop some breadcrumbs and and find some way for people to reward themselves if they go to the links. Yeah, definitely. And those are the people that you want to reward the most, right? Just from a, those are the people that are paying the most attention to you, that are, that are reading everything that you're putting out, that are really like engaged and invested in what you're doing. So it only makes sense that you should want to engage them. But to your point, also create reasons for them to want to engage. I, I love that. Um, I actually, uh, we, we have a, a product marketer on our team who runs a, a nail polish website. And so in the footer of every one of her emails that goes out, there's a, a link that says, at the, at the very end, you know, click here to unsubscribe. And if you want to see a picture of an angry toad that looks like an avocado, click here. And you click there and it's just this little Easter. It's nothing but a, a picture of a toad who looks like an avocado. And every once in a while, she'll run a sale that's like the angry toad sale. So anyone who's ever clicked that gets this exclusive link. And it's just like, those oh, are the I kind love of things, that. right? Those are the kind of things that just, and, and to the community point, it's like, those are the things that, that make it easier for you to build community, right? Totally. 100%. Because it starts to build like inside jokes and, and like cultural memes within your community. I love that idea of if you take this action, because with email, you can track this stuff, you can track these, these behaviors. So you can literally say like, if this action has ever been taken, now those people get this type of reward. That's awesome. Yeah. Definitely going to steal that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right. So I don't want to get too far into the weeds. I don't want to, I don't, not asking you to reveal your secret sauce here, but for someone who's like kind of just starting a newsletter um, or looking to really, you know, take their newsletter to the next level, you know, they're sending one, but they're not really paying too much attention to it. What kind of advice do you have for them? Yeah. I mean, I'll spill whatever secret sauce. There's no sauce that is too secret because like my business is giving people the secret sauce to do this also. So to me, I think first and foremost, you need to have a very, inviting front door is what I call it. You need to have a clear, obvious way for somebody to enter into your ecosystem to, to start to interact with your creative platform. And not only does it need to be obvious and clear how to find it and how to share it, but it needs to be compelling too. Why would somebody enter your front door? So have it easy to find your newsletter, whether that's searching for your name on Google and having that pop up your website in the first result and then having it easy to know where to subscribe. Hopefully it's on that page and maybe a dedicated page as well. But then you need to give people a reason why they would subscribe. And maybe that's because you are serving a super specific type of person with a super specific kind of content and that's good enough. Or you could have some sort of lead magnet that really does compel people. Lead magnet is a term that's been thrown around for 10 years for good reason because it works, but a lot of the old stuff doesn't work as well anymore. So the things that I see working really well right now are uh, email courses that are mostly automated sequences, um, maybe uh, a quiz. Quizzes are pretty popular right now, but they need to be valuable for the quiz taker, not just the quiz maker. Um, I've seen some people doing free communities for a lead magnet or even video courses for a lead magnet. So those are the things that I would consider to get people to opt in. And in general, you know, the best way to get people to turn over their email address for free is to give them something for free that is worth paying for. You know, if people aren't jumping through as quickly as you would like or converting at as high a level as you would like, make the incentive better. Mm. Maybe the incentive is something that you think you could charge money for that now you're giving away for free. That's going to be really compelling. Yeah. And one other thing that you do that I, that I really think is interesting in that video, you said, you know, if you ever have a question, reply, just reply to any email, I will respond. I don't think a lot of, I, I know a lot of people aren't doing that. Um, in fact, 
there's a lot of no reply at whatever.com email addresses. And one thing that's really interesting to me with the advent of like iOS 15, now privacy protection and everything with email opens being a little bit more difficult to track. The reply is one thing that I feel like marketers traditionally haven't really leveraged to their advantage as a uh, tool for engagement. So do you find that working for you? How long have you been doing that for? Oh yeah. I've been doing it for a while. I I spoke with uh, a friend of mine. Her name is Allie Bloom and she's a user researcher. And she had this point that your first email should invite people to respond and answer the question, what's going on in your life that led you to sign up for this list? And for a while I had an actual like type form that people could enter and then type form change their pricing model to make it just a horrible experience. Like I think type form really shot themselves in the foot. So I just made an open response, respond to me, respond to this email and let me know what's going on in your world that led you to sign up for this. And that's awesome because that is a really tight feedback loop to know is the message I'm putting out there for what you're going to get from this aligned with what people are saying they're looking for. Yeah. Because if you put that out there and people are responding and they're saying, Hey, I'm really just looking for the best lasagna recipes in the world. That's awesome. If your blog is built around lasagna recipes, it's not awesome. If you're serving professional creators like me, it means whatever I'm putting out there to say, you're going to get from this, I am misrepresenting it and people I'm getting the wrong people. So having that is a tight feedback loop to say, is this representing myself well? And also you're starting to build a relationship with their inbox, like the literal software, because when they respond to it, the inbox is more likely to think this is someone that this person wants to hear from. That's another reason why email courses are so great as a lead magnet, because right away you get people opening your emails, responding to your emails. It builds a really good relationship with them and their inbox. Wow. Yeah. That, that, I mean, that's a, an entire added benefit, especially, you know, we, we hear a lot, um, just questions around email deliverability. How do I, how do I always land in the primary inbox? How do I increase email engagement? How do I avoid the promotions tab? All of those kind of things. And that makes all of the sense in the world is that it's like when the ISP sees that email from you, they know that it's a dialogue and it's not just somebody that sends me emails and it's not really a give and take relationship. It's just one-sided. Awesome. Um, okay. So I've got a couple more questions here and then I'll let you go. But uh, you mentioned having a, the, the front door comment about your newsletter. When I, when I hear that, my mind immediately goes to subject line, right? Like whatever's in the email isn't going to do anything if someone doesn't open the email. So can you talk a little bit about the importance of the subject line? Like, how do you approach that? Oh, it's so important. You know, I've, I've really come around to the viewpoint of clickbait doesn't exist when it delivers on the promise. Like Hmm. clickbait means a good title that got somebody to take action. And then there was no payoff. You want a good title that gets people to take action, but then you need to have a payoff. I I talk about like the regret test is what I call this a lot, which is every piece of content you create, every email you send that someone decides to open, it doesn't have to be world changing, earth shattering, as long as it passes the regret test, as long as they think, I'm glad I did this. If you fail that, if somebody opens an email because your subject line is big and flashy and they're like, ah, this isn't what I expected, they regret it. They're less likely to open the next one. So your your subject line needs to be compelling to open it or your entire effort was for nothing because they won't see what you did. And then you need to pass the regret test to make them happy that they did open that email. Mm. I like that. I think uh, those are those are great things to keep in mind when you're writing or coming up with subject lines. Um, and then finally, 
as someone with a, a successful newsletter um, and obviously a consumer of, of other newsletters, what are some common mistakes that you see um, in, in newsletters or some things that, you know, kind of jump out to you as ah, I probably wouldn't do that or I don't think that that's like there's a better way to do that? Most often, I would say people don't write like themselves. It's really obvious if you read back your own writing out loud, if it sounds like you, because you'll say, when I say that like that, and a lot of people who are beginning to write, they are stuck in kind of this higher education literature type writing that's just like a lot more fluffy and you use big words and long sentences and very descriptive vocabulary. That's just not how people talk in real in the real world. And it's not what we enjoy to read unless we're picking up a book and we expect the context of that type of writing. Most of the time, people are writing in the way they think something should be written as opposed to the way they would say it. So to me, that's that's the biggest mistake people make. And that filters through to original content, that filters through to highlighting you know, a list of curated articles. Everything you write should just sound like you because we need to be able to connect this writing to the full human that is you. Another reason why I like having a video on people sign up, they can actually start to hear my voice. Mm-hmm. I want you when you read my writing to hear it in my voice. That is like the real thing. And it's easier to reinforce that when you're also listening to my podcast or watching me on YouTube. All these different modalities that you communicate, even short form video on Instagram and TikTok, people should hear you the same way regardless of context and medium. And most people don't write like that. I, I love that. That is such a great point too. And it just goes to, you know, the expectations of your audience and managing them. And it's like you uh, consistency and, you know, frequency, consistency and quality and consistency in your own voice. I think uh, that's, that's the recipe. Uh, Jay, I don't want to take up any more of your time. Thank you so much for stopping by and, uh, and talking with us. We really appreciate it. Uh, loved having you on. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me, Ernie. I'll think of you every time I get my haircut. (laughs) Perfect. All right. Tons of good stuff in there. Earlier, we talked about the email send time being a point of personalization and contributing to the overall experience. Jay hit on a few more points of personalization that you might not think of as points of personalization. First, the thank you page. There's a video on that page and the URL of that page. All of those things are curated. They're specific. And these are the tiny details that separate an incredible experience from just a good one. Next, Jay asks a question in that confirmation email and he asks for a reply. Not only that, but he responds to the replies. He's gone so far as to create entire podcast episodes of his creative companion show where he does nothing but answer questions that he's received from email subscribers. Now, some things to think about. What does your front door look like? Is it inviting? Is it easy to open? And is there a reason to open it? Make sure you're giving your audience a reason to subscribe to your email newsletter. And then deliver on that promise, and also make sure that you're giving them a reason to open the email itself. We've actually done an entire episode on the importance of an email subject line that you can check out to learn more. Next, your first email should ask the question, what's going on in your life right now that caused you to sign up for this list? And to the earlier point, Jay wants you to reply to that email with your answer. Asking for replies has huge benefits, including the creation of a tight feedback loop and the improvement of your email deliverability as you're helping the inbox service providers see that the emails from your email address should be trusted and that they belong in the primary inbox. 
We've also done an episode on deliverability factors that you can check out to learn more. Finally, the regret test. It's simple. Create content that doesn't cause your audience to regret opening the email. Remember, clickbait isn't clickbait if it delivers on the promise. So make sure you're delivering what you're promising and try to promise something good. If you're interested in starting an email newsletter or scaling an email newsletter, or you're looking for more information on your email newsletter or your email marketing strategy in general, ActiveCampaign has you covered. The ActiveCampaign platform specializes in creating beautiful emails with hundreds of templates to choose from. You can choose when to send your newsletter and then track the engagement of it. You can create automations to run based on that email engagement or based on new subscribers or any number of other actions or data points in the powerful automation builder. We've included links to a few of these automation frameworks here for you. Build the newsletter you've always wanted and support it with an email marketing and email automation strategy that'll blow your audience away. In a good way. Until next time, go forth and automate. Thanks for listening to Growth Decoded to Go. For the latest updates on Growth Decoded and links to the live show, you can sign up to be a part of the Grow team at activecampaign.com slash events slash growth hyphen decoded.